0: Yes people, how are we all doing? I hope everyone's doing well. Welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. So today we are joined by a very special guest. He is professional footballer at Newcastle United, one of my former teammates when I was there as a young lad, Mr Sean Longstaff. So with Sean today, we talked a bit about his journey and his upbringing in the family that he was built up with. Obviously his brother Matty also plays for Newcastle, so we talk about obviously the likelihood of Two brothers from the same household ended up becoming Premier League footballers and obviously the surroundings and the environment that they were brought up in and how that influenced their journey. We talk a bit about how he deals with the high pressure situations, obviously playing in the Premier League there is a lot of pressure playing on TV in front of millions of people and how he uses certain methods to take the pressure off himself so you can just focus on the game and play the way that he wants to play. We then finish off by discussing a little bit about sean's dealings with injury and the mental side of it obviously he had a serious pcl injury against west ham last season and um, we talked about what was going through his mind at the time afterwards and then also through the rehab process and even when he got back onto the pitch playing this season and how it does massively affect you mentally and how he obviously wants to push on for the next season so plenty of good things that we talked about with sean it was a great episode and thank you very much sean for coming on So before we start this episode of Process, just want to quickly say if you haven't already get subscribed to the podcast, just click that button now, I'll give you 5 seconds to do it before the podcast starts and as well if you really did enjoy this episode, remember to share it on Instagram, Facebook, tag myself and the guest and also leave us a nice little review at the bottom of the podcast if you really, really did enjoy it but we'll get on with the episode, this is Process. Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today we're joined by a very special guest again, Mr. Sean Longstaff. So, obviously, most people probably know who he is. Professional footballer for Newcastle United. He's been my teammate for probably since I was, what, 10 years old or something. Obviously, played through the ranks with him, so it's a pleasure. Pleasure having you on, mate.
1: Yeah,
0: thanks for having us, man. Thanks for having us. No no worries, mate. Thanks. So, we just want to talk about your journey because obviously everybody kind of knows the end result so like you obviously played in the Premier League now but we're going to go back to like all the way back to the start of your journey how you first got into football and kind of because I know obviously you, you've you come from a sporting background with your dad obviously being a ice hockey player and obviously your brother still play, obviously playing football as well what was it like growing up in that sort of environment was your dad a big influence on on you maybe pursuing football or getting into sport
1: yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, everyone sort of knows about my dad more than um, obviously anyone else in my family, just because he probably played at the the highest level in terms of like my mom. But as well, my granda played ice hockey for Great Britain. Um, obviously, my mom played netball. My, my aunties or my auntie Lindsay, who's my my mom's sister, played netball. Like it's just a, a massive sport and family sort of thing. Um, so I think to be able to have them people around us sort of pushing us into sport and then. When I was playing, giving us advice and just being able to speak to them about stuff was obviously a massive bonus. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that's obviously definitely helped me and Matty uh, as we've got older, um, or I think probably helped more at like the the crucial the crucial ages. Sorry, of like you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, um, when there's sort of distractions start coming in, and um, probably my dad more than anyone was just like you need to sort of buckle down in them sort of five five years um, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day you don't just want to say you were a scholar at Newcastle or say you had you know I was a full-time footballer for a couple of years you, you want to be able to say you've you played in the Premier League or played in the first team and to be able to have them people around us sort of keeping you focused on that target was obviously a massive help for, for me and Matty.
0: Yeah, you can tell. Like, obviously, I, I know you quite well for a few years. You and Matty are both very grounded, lads. So you can tell. like I'll touch on it later in the podcast. But those ages, like you talk about, the 16-year-old now, obviously, the end of the scholar at 18, you need you need to keep yourself grounded. There's so many lads that kind of always talk about it. It's like the old men in the pub, which I've talked about it in the past. Oh, I used to be in castle when I was like... When I was 18, I could have played in the first team, but oh, I just wasn't quite good enough. I had an injury or something. But obviously, you need that sort of groundness to to be with the push on. So how did you first get into football? Was it just one of them things like every lad in the northeast just started kicking the ball around and got playing? <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much. Um, but obviously, because my dad played ice hockey as well, me and, well, I sort of, were probably picked up, I'd say, ice hockey first, just in terms of, like, my dad would have little ice hockey sticks around the house and we would sort of use them all the time and, and play that and we'd go with my dad to training and, uh we used to be able to. We used to like just run around and probably annoy his, his teammates and stuff. And um, but then I think as we got a little bit older, probably four or five, I think we just like everyone really just you went to your local football team and and uh, had a bit of a kick around. And then and to be honest, I can't really remember what happened. You just remember playing. And I think I was probably seven or eight. I went into the development centre at Newcastle, and then. Just from there when i in Newcastle. Uh, so I've been in Newcastle since I was nine and um obviously been there a long time now. Um but like I said, I, I, I just remember like everyone just kicking the ball around and um somehow ended up at Newcastle and so I've stayed there ever since.
0: Yeah. I right, so you obviously brought up in that environment, that almost team environment from an early age. Were you and your brother competitive even at like stupid games like ice hockey when you were just messing around? Were you always quite competitive or Oh, <laughs> I
1: think it would always end up in a fight, um, no matter what we we're doing. Yeah. To be, to be honest, it didn't even have to be like, didn't even have to be ice hockey or football or a sport. Um, it could be a game of frustration, and I think it would still end up in a fight. Like I, I still remember <laughs> the the frustration board have still got it in the house. Um, me, Matty, and my dad used to play, and it used to honestly, there was literally full-on fist fights by the end of them. Um, I don't know how it was impossible, yeah. but I think it was just the the sort of competitive edge we've got and in, in in all in all honesty it's helped massively, i think going forward and even just just with football um, it, having that competitive edge is massive in terms of not wanting to lose any games and i mean probably sometimes it comes across as you know you're mourning or this and that and um, i and imagine people were were saying that but for me it was just all about winning and wanting to win. and anything i don't want to be successful in in, in winning um I think that sort of mentality's helped us, as I've got older, and, and probably results in, in games become more important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it always intrigues me how, like the top top athletes, Premier League, obviously in any sport, kind of they get that competitive edge, and obviously you can tell you've came from that background already, and kind of the likelihood of anybody becoming a professional footballer is very slim, but the likelihood of two people in the same family becoming a Becoming like both playing in the Premier League is is like I don't know what the chances are like if that's a statistic must be like one in a trillion maybe, but it's obviously goes to show the environment that you were set in and obviously your family that you've set up and the terms of the environment that they've set up for you and your dad coming from a very competitive background, it goes to like it does really go to show what it can kind of do. And then maybe if you were you could always say if you were brought up in a different environment, would the same thing happen? You can just never know, but like I said, it, it always, always intrigues me how athletes kind of get to where they were. So, moving on, so obviously you signed Newcastle, were you nine, did you say, when you were yeah, right in the early age groups? Yeah. Obviously. What were you, Yeah, what were you like in terms of personality? Well, I know what you were like, but think in terms of personality-wise, what were you like at a young age, just then growing up through the ranks? Did your confidence kind of build over? Well, I was gonna. I'm giving it away now, because you, you're always quite, a, quite a quiet lad, weren't you? I remember back in the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think.
0: Yeah. For,
1: for me, that was the. Obviously, we'll probably touch on it a little bit later as well. But that was always the the biggest challenge for me was to like. Sort of have the not the confidence in myself because I always had the confidence in myself, but being around other people who I didn't know. Um, it was I was always just so quiet, really, um, which is mm-hmm. it's funny because. In terms of playing and stuff, like, I would always... Um, I don't know how I was... <laughs> I mean, some people would say I would mourn, but I would... You know what I mean? I'd, like, get on get on people and stuff. Not at a, a younger age, but, obviously, as you get older. Um, but, obviously, especially when I was younger, I, I just remember being really quiet and um, sort of more comfortable around my own age group. But if I ever sort of went up with, with views and went up the air older, like, I used to hate it. Um, I remember there was times I would sit my mom in the house. I don't want to go to training. Um, I don't want to go to football. Yeah. Uh, I, I just I just hated it. I didn't really feel like I, I spoke to anyone, or it was always a massive, massive challenge for me. And um, it probably wasn't until I got confident in myself I was able to sort of reciprocate that on the pitch sort of thing, and, and be fully confident on the pitch, no matter like what age group I was I was playing for.
0: Mm-hmm. so when do you feel you kind of confident when did you kind of come out of your shell was it maybe because I mean you, there was a good period in the, when you got to the under 18s where you were scoring goals for fun like out of nowhere I mean that's so when you scored like four hat-tricks in a row or something mm-hmm. stupid like that do you feel like the confidence came at that time or was it kind of a little bit before a little bit after when well, did it, it build
1: it was a little bit before Um I remember probably being under 16s and um. I'd say under-16s with Liam and Neil, um, when obviously you train with the the under-15s and 16s train together. Um, I think at the time, Louis Johnson and Michael Newbury like, were basically in full-time. Um, but at that time, in under-16s, I felt like I sort of matured a lot in terms of like... Because when I was younger, I was always massive. Um, from like 9, 10, 11... Probably under 12, so I was like big and I was big, I was I was bigger than everyone else, and I was probably, I'd say I was probably one of the better players at that age. And then I think at 14 or 13, 14, 15, I started to grow, and everything just went a went pot, really. Like, I remember trying to do things, and I just, my, my brain and my features weren't working together. And uh, it wasn't until I got under 16 when I think I, after like my first sort of growth spurt, like, grew into my body and felt just com- more confident about myself. And um, I'd say just from there, really, from 16, I, I had the confidence and-, and believed in myself more than ever that um, I was probably I was better than the people around us and um, that-, that I would hopefully be able to go on and-, and not go and play in the first team, but, you know, go out- be able to go out and loan and play at a good level.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned about the growth spur thing because I had the same thing, but I was listening to the... Um... The High Performance Podcast, I can't remember the guy, what's his name, he does it, but Rio Ferdinand was on it anyway and he said the exact same thing. Like when he was younger, he was probably one of the better players and he got to like, like 12, 13, 14. He was like, he just said he, he just couldn't kick a ball, he was like, um, like his feet just completely lost everything, he lost his balance, lost his coordination. And I think it's quite hard for lads around that age because they probably do lose a lot of confidence when they get to that point and they're literally just like, right, hang on. Like last year I was everything was just like right spot on, my passing was good, my technique was good and now I've completely lost it, it's like, am I actually any good? And I had a similar situation when I went to play in Scotland and it wasn't, like, I didn't have a gross bit or anything but I just, my confidence was just dropped and I just felt like, like what the hell happened? Like a year ago my I was, I could do this, that and the other, and my confidence is just completely gone and I think it's also a challenge for coaches around that age because obviously I don't know how it works now in terms of the academy setup, but it used to be like every year, at the end of the year, you would get kept on or released. And I think when the coaches should, it's quite hard for them to obviously keep players on if they're having a bad, really bad spell, but they've got to keep in mind, right, this lad's having a growth spurt and obviously you can see what he used to be able to do. And then now, yeah. obviously he's maybe not the best, but taking them on. Like you might have had a really bad year, maybe when you were like 13 and you could have been released you never know what could have happened after that. Like, like, a 13-year-old getting released from, like, your boyhood team completely crushes your dream. It completely kills it. And you might just give up football. Like, a lot of lads at 16 who don't get scholars just give up football. Even at 18, don't get a, a professional contract to give up because it's all they've ever dreamed of. And, like, you've obviously got through that. And then you've obviously said you built your confidence up around 15, 16 and moved on to amazing things. So it is hard for young lads so if there's any young, young lads last watching just be patient with it because i'm the same i had a massive growth spurt it is very tough and like i said it's very tough for coaches who are obviously got to make that decision if they're keeping players on and stuff like that so it's a very 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 tough moment
1: it's funny because you like the best obviously the best example i know is like matty matty was that happened to matty it, mm-hmm. um, how old Matty been like 11 or 12 and i remember like at the time, Matty was like the f- never. No, I mean you never really seen them like, um, like really show any emotion. And I remember Matty like the night Matty sort of got told were, like we're gonna release you and stuff, and like from pretty much from that day, like the it's you go one or two ways. And obviously, have my da- obviously have my family around Matty helped to say no, no, like you can, you can prove these people wrong. But um, like Matty's the best example for that of like even if you you get a little setback or th- there's always time to like, obviously r- repair repair the damage and, and sort of <laughs> just keep like, go again. And, and you look at Marty; he's a perfect example of, of what can happen if you, um, yeah. if you just stick at it.
0: Yeah. You've got to have some resilience at that age though. Cause it's, it's hard. It's very hard. And I think you've got to have the good kind of um, surroundings around you as well. Like a good family network, like to support you, to say, look, like you know this has happened but we're gonna move in like a lot of parents would probably think oh that was nice like you had a few years in your castle now let's go and try and go down the education route and get a proper job it's very hard but like environment's massive i always talk about surround yourself with good people but even at a young age like the family that you're brought up in obviously i think a lot of successful people do have that good environment or if, if it's not the family it's the friends or it's I don't know a school teacher some sort of support network and you've obviously. Yeah. He, Matty, I didn't actually realise Matty got released, I didn't realise that, what age was that that he got released?
1: I think Matty was probably, I think he was young, so maybe 11, and then I think he got mm-hmm. back in
0: it, maybe 13, and then obviously. And then he's back, and then he's just excelled from there, and I didn't realise that to be fair, so I know, just young lads, got you've got to have some resilience, because to be fair, learning that lesson at an early age has probably done him very good, because football is a horrible career, like it will stab you in the back, down the line. You might, even like things like change of manager, like you could change manager, you could be out the squad or you could fall out with someone or you could have an injury and being able to bounce back, having that lesson at an early age just sets you up perfectly for going into into football. So nope. you said you obviously you built your confidence around 16. Do you think that was purely from football or do you think it was, I don't know, kind of the social aspect of going football, obviously starting full-time football, well, more full-time football because obviously at that age you start to leave school a little bit and do a little bit of the day release, getting the day release programme. Do you think that helped or was there anything else outside of football that you feel helped build your confidence?
1: Um, t- To be honest, I think a, a lot of it was-, was football, to be honest. Um, I think at that time I didn't really have a lot going on sort of outside of football in terms of, obviously had my, my friends at school but I never really um, probably in a way I look back and wish I I wish I did, but like I would never I would if they were going out on a you know, a Friday night uh wherever the the, the park or like there's obviously spots around where I live and where we went to school but I would never I would never go out with them and um I was always in the house either watching the telly or remember they'd always ask us, Oh, do you wanna come out tonight? We'll do something and I'm like, Oh I can't I've got training on a Saturday morning or I've got um I've got a game Sunday, like so for me, it was just uh, the the all the confidence I got was was from football, and um, and I think that probably translated to away from football. I've just became more confident in myself, and um, what's funny, it was just purely the, the fact that at the time I thought I was playing really well. I thought was, I was playing really well, and um, it's amazing what confidence does. I think in any sport, really, on in life, really, I think confidence just the most important thing. Um, and so for me, it's, at that age, um, I got all my confidence from football and, and just from playing and, and doing well and training every week. It, it probably, it's probably, I mean, for example, like last season, in terms of, there was times when my confidence confidence was shot. To be fair, and um, and you look at, it's like you said before, you can how can you go from being a year ago where I sort of broke through and played all them games and. My confidence was as high as as it had ever been and and I was just like able to play and do things that I probably didn't know I could do in terms of like um, when when I did play, I'd done pretty well and and then without confidence, you're just not the same player really and um, I think especially at that age at 16, it's probably more important than ever.
0: Yeah, confidence will bring you, like as a footballer, if you don't if you don't have any confidence or any belief in yourself, I think that'll get, I think most lads, even if you don't have the ability but you have the confidence, you're probably gonna make some sort of career just because of that. And then also having that sort of attitude on the on the pitch and being a present. When you are confident, you'll give someone a little bit like the managers will notice you. Whereas if you're in your shell, like you're gonna first of all hide in the game and you're gonna hide vocally as well. Which I think a lot of, like you see you see a lot of lads who have got big gobs. But the the make managers like that, especially old school managers they love that sort of style of player. They, they love it, and you hate playing against them. That's oh, the thing as well. you hate playing against them um, sort of players who give you a little bit. That like you probably you probably could. Know, know the ones in the Premier League who were like, oh, fucking, hell, I don't want to play against him. He's going to give me a little bit today. Like <laughs> that's that's what that's what that's what you want as a as a like as a teammate or as a manager having in your team someone like that, hundred percent. But talking about obviously using football as your kind of confidence builder like young lads especially if you're if you, you do lack confidence and maybe you don't feel like you connect with certain people like you're on about a lot of your mates were going out doing things that maybe you didn't want to do because you were so focused on football which is great to see like having that focus of the young lad, obviously it has took you down the path that it has it's so easy to get sidetracked but finding that something that kind of Gives you that confidence. It could be football. It could be cricket. It could, it could be going to the gym. Like I used, uh, when I was younger, using the gym as an example, like building your confidence, building a bit of like, bit of muscle, building a bit of size, helps build your confidence. So whatever you can do to, to do that. And you'll end up meeting people within the thing that you enjoy. Like you've probably, most of your friends now are probably in football rather than outside of it. Like for me, a lot of my friends are in the same environment that I'm in at the minute in terms yeah. of the gym. Some, some of them still in football, obviously, because I was down that route. You find people in that circle who kind of build you and builds your confidence. The kind of there was a little nice little quote that I've seen a lot of. It's not really a very like philosophical quote. It's literally, like gas your fucking friends up. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just a very simple. So literally, if you are surrounding people with people who gas you up and build your confidence, you're going to take that away, like for yourself in games or in business meetings or whatever the hell you do in your life. But perfect example. So skip a few years. Obviously you were in your castle, got your scholarship. I've mentioned it before you had that little spell where you were scoring goals for the eighteens and then I, I think did you did you play quite a few games in reserves? I can't remember if you kind of played a lot of under eighteen games and then went out on loan with playing a bit of reserves as well. Yeah. I
1: don't remember um, too much. I was, when you I think with first year scholar, um I was with the what have, what are you said like sixteen, seventeen, um, seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was probably when I first at like, I think that's when I first sort of took off a little bit really in terms of like, I went from I think I played a little bit deeper at playing as more of like a ten or just a little bit more of like a, an advanced midfielder and just hit the ground running really. Um, in terms of I think that sort of season and pre-season, um. I just remember running every single day. Like I just remember being probably as fit as I'd ever been. Um, and obviously went and hit the ground running. And I think probably I think I scored 12, 12, 13 goals that season within the 18s. Um, mm-hmm. I think I scored like eight of them before Christmas or before before the the start of the new year. Um, and then spent a little bit of time to 23s. The in like the last sort of three, four months of the season, but never really um, didn't like played loads for them. It wasn't until like, I was a second year scholar, I was with the 23s full time. Um, and that was probably, that was, obviously, I remember being 18 and, and played all the time. And I think we struggled a little bit that year um, with just the teams around me being much older and, and ours being quite young. Um, like I said, that was another massive sort of learning, learning curve and learning step. Um, Against all the lads every week, but then I think the big thing for me was just doing well enough to be able to get out on loan somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, it's I remember obviously you have the meeting at the end of your scholar and got, got given the um the third year scholar, which was like I thought was a, like a massive kick in the teeth to me considering what I'd done as a first year scholar, and um, obviously I'd seen other lads who had played in the 23s as a second year scholar I'd get obviously or they got given much better contracts than what I got given. And in a way that probably helped us because I wanted to obviously prove the the coaches wrong, probably prove Peter and and Ben wrong and want to be able to show it in the face one day and and say like you were wrong and and I was the one that was going to, I'm the one that's going to go and do this, this, and this. Never, never in a million years thinking it would happen like in, in, in the way it, in the way it has happened. Um, but also, I think the sort of my third year scholar, I remember just being as fit as I could again. I think that was the difference in the second year. I probably, it wasn't, I had a good year and probably relaxed a little bit and didn't, I wasn't as fit going back in for my second year and you could tell straight away, I obviously didn't play as well. Um, uh-huh. Probably still done all right, but not to the, the, the levels and, and standard <laughs> I wanted to be at. Um, then obviously as a third year, started off really well. Uh, scored a few scored a few goals again and then January went out and loaned to Kilmarnock and um, like I said the it's the big thing for me was being able to go out and loan like I think too many people get stuck in the 23s I think the 23s is great and it's the place to be um, for me I always said like as a third year scholar the max you're going to spend like as a second year scholar it's perfect you want to play in the 23s as much as you can but certainly you get a DJ Scholar, like, first year professional, like, you, for me it was like you, you want to spend six months here and get out, Like you need to get out playing football because that's the only way you're going to progress and progress again to ultimately where you want to be.
0: Mm-hmm. What was it like when you first went out and hook? It was Killman, wasn't it? What was it like in terms of first training session, going to meet the manager, being a young lad, obviously going into that first team environment, were you nervous? What was going through your head?
1: Uh, oh, I, I remember when I got Are oh, you going to go I was like i was so nervous you know even still now i'm still really i'm still quiet and like first thing that went through my head was like i'm gonna have to sing in front of everyone and like i was panicking i remember i remember i was driving up with Carl. obviously i was lucky to have colin and, and freddie go up with us um like the first month they were like <laughs> they were like like a like parents they was really like looking after us all the time making sure i was eating like it was it was funny to be fair um but I remember going up and I was just so nervous. Um the only I remember because I have an international break in Scotland, um the we came back down to Newcastle It's like the international is like our like little mini preseason was in Newcastle. So we ended up playing against the twenty threes and I was able to like go home again for a couple of days and, and see my mum and I remember me and Carl sneaking back into the hotel at like um would have been like half 11, um, and all the staff were downstairs and the scene was sneaking in. I thought, oh no, like this isn't a great first impression, but it, they were all laughing and joking, and it turned out to be probably the best thing that ever happened to us. Um, the lads there were great, and it's like anything like once you've spent two, three weeks there, you you just feel normal. And um, if it wasn't for Kilmarnock sort of taking the chance on us and, and giving us the opportunity, then obviously wouldn't be where I am today.
0: Yeah. What song did you sing? What was your initiation song?
1: My What did I sing? I sang, (laughs) I think I sang the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but it was, honestly, I remember, we'd done it in a restaurant in Newcastle, so there's obviously other people there watching. And I just remember, like, going, I mean, i go red at the best of times, but I mean, I was, like, beetroot red, like, (laughs) I was sweating so much, and I just remember it being so awkward and just thinking, like, I I think must have felt bad for us. It was that bad, like... But I just remember thinking, oh, my God, like, this is the... It was the worst minute of my life. It felt like I was up there for an hour singing. It was that bad.
0: Yeah. It's weird, like, they're the worst things ever. It's it's, it's weird how nervous you get for that compared to going into, like, games when you play, like, obviously now you're playing in front of, like, 50-odd thousand people. Probably more nervous just for, like, a one-minute sing-along than you are for the game. It's... it's, It is the worst... Especially when you go into a brand-new environment, you don't know any of the lads, really. It's like... Fucking hell! Especially if you don't really like singing. If you don't have a voice on you, it's the worst thing in the world. (laughs) Just gotta get, just get, get through it, embrace it, and and get over it. But so you obviously kill Monic to start with. Were you were you straight into the team, or were you kind of on the bench a little bit, then got a few little games um, off the bench? Then when did you kind of break into the team?
1: No, I was. To be honest, I think I went up there not really knowing what to expect um, in terms of like. Mm I thought I would start off on the bench and. then I would sort of hopefully get a chance and and stay in. But I remember my first proper game up there was a Scottish Cup game um, against Hamilton. And uh, I just remember obviously Lee Clark was a manager at the time. Um, he sort of came up with him and was just like, uh, you, you're going to play on Saturday. And uh, I remember just being in shock a little bit, thinking like, bearing in mind, I'd only trained for like a couple well a week, I think, I'd trained for. And, um, Was obviously still like getting the grips with everything, but he just said, I'm going to throw you in straight away. And I think when we lost, I think Hamilton scored a penalty in the last minute, but I'd done okay. And that was a little confidence builder to be able to to sort of say to myself, Yeah, you can play, like you're you're more than good enough to play at this level. Like, um, I think technically, obviously, I was I felt better than a lot of the people there, which is obviously the physical side. And I think it, I think I was 19, but I was still like a a young 19 year old kid, really. Um, But then Obviously, from there, just got the t- I played every game. I think started every game. I was lucky that in my first two league games, I, I scored. I think I scored a, a 95th-minute winner on my league debut against Ross County, and then scored the week after against Hamilton. So immediately, in people's minds, were like, "Oh, he's, he scores goals." And um, I just I played from there really, and obviously got the experience of playing like a, against Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, like which at the time were. were, were Rangers and Celtic are like massive, massive teams and the support they brung was, was unreal. So th- those were moments I'll, I'll never forget and obviously stuff that have, have stood us in good stead Um, obviously moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm. So as a young lad going on loan, was there anything that you felt helped you kind of build the confidence? Obviously you said you talked about scoring early on, having a good game to start with. Was there anything kind of before the game or even during the game, like maybe you said to yourself, right, I'm going to keep it really simple. I'm just going to get like five passes in to build my confidence or even before is the like a little was the one of the players came up to you and said "But mate like i know it's your first game was there anything like that because i've had that just somebody putting an arm around us it's my first game debut like all right you're a good keeper mate just do your thing was there anything like that that you kind of done in that first first one or two games
1: yeah uh, i think so i think it was more just me calling Freddie, just like speaking to each other about it and um just making sure each other were all right and we're, we're all ready to play like um I think I just remember going into the game and, and thinking, well, I'm going to keep things simple. I'm going to, you know, what I mean, just try and do the things that sort of stood us in, in good stead um, going forward. Um, I, but I think what, honestly, what helped us was like the, one, I think, especially in that Hamilton game, one of the first times I got the ball, I turned around and, and like played a pass, like um, in behind for someone. And it was a good, like, it was a good pass. And just from there, like, my confidence built and built. And, um, it, as well, it's it's a different style going from, like, the 23s where you're going to get, like, so many touches a game and you're definitely going to get mm-hmm. on the ball and be able to short you can do. But in, in them environments uh, or in them games, th- there's times where you, you won't touch the ball for for ages, so you've got to do other things as well that will keep you in the game. So, for me, it was just, like, I set myself make sure you just run around and, and get a chance to tackle people. Like, th- those are the little things, like, you can't bottle out with tackles. You can't... Um, so if you can't bottle going up for headers, like little things that I probably wasn't used to playing their twenty threes, you had to try and convince yourself to to do them. Um, because obviously there's people watching and, and if you don't then they're the type of things that'll obviously get you get you taken out of the team really.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say the fans will be on your case straight away if you're not if you're not challenging Scotland, it's a physical, physical league. <laughs> so you know. So was um did you which was the first team big, big obviously two big teams were Celtic and Rangers. Were Rangers in, was Rangers in the prem when you were there, or were yeah, they still coming up through the leagues? They were still. What was the first big game? Was it Celtic or Rangers at their place? Was it Celtic? So, yeah, it was the first. I think the first
1: one was. I think we had Celtic and Rangers in like the same week, or mm-hmm. in like in the span of like a week and a half. So I think we, I remember played Rangers on a like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Um, um, but obviously, I mean, a home game was basically like an away game in terms of like they get they had behind both goals like full. Yeah. I remember like the fans were so loud. It was the first time I'd played in front of like a, a really big crowd of like fans. And I just remember like the, the buzz of it was like unbelievable. Um, like It just helped so much. Um, I remember mm-hmm. I think to myself like, this is where you want to be. You want to be playing in front of of fans like that every week and obviously Newcastle's the, the perfect example of that in terms of they get uh, fifty two thousand every week and for me it was like right everything you do now is to have that experience at Newcastle. Um so and then uh, obviously still in Scotland we played Celtic the week after they'd won the league, I think. And Celtic like Celtic Port was unbelievable. Obviously my uncle had played for Celtic um and obviously he would tell you stories and you think, yeah, yeah, it's good, but you never, you never like, until you experience it for yourself, you you never fully get it. Um, and it was just unbelievable that day. Like, I just remember the ball would go out and I remember like looking around and I was like in awe of like the fans and the size of the stadium and the noise they were making and stuff. It was, it was unbelievable. And um, like I said, them experiences prepared us for, for, for playing in front of bigger crowds and, um, in, in hostile places I mean I think with Juve Rangers we got a bit off Celtic but like in terms of the experience it was just um, it was sort of so valuable and um, like I said it's it's probably what stood us in good stead for for playing in front of big crowds going forward
0: mm-hmm. So do you feel like when you went to Kilmarnit that was kind of the, the realisation that right, I can actually, I'm going to actually try and play for Newcastle. Now, like you said, like you're playing in front of 50 odd thousand fans. You're thinking, right, everything I do now is going towards playing for Newcastle. Because everybody, when they're younger, they always like, they obviously want to and the, they do believe in a sense that, right, I'm going to play for my my home team, I like think Newcastle United, Man United, whoever it is. Was that the kind of moment where i actually maybe flip the switch and like, actually, I actually am going to, or I actually really want to, like this is, this is going to become a reality soon. If you let that kind of, Flip that switch in you, or was it already kind of instilled in you in your mind beforehand?
1: I, th- I mean, I think it was already instilled in, in like in my mind from like being a, a young age. Like, oh, th- like this is what I want to do. This is this is like my goal. Um, but at that age, it seems so far away. And uh, I remember just thinking, like, I, I initially thought, like, oh, I'd love to play for Celtic or Rangers. Like, I, I, when I went yeah. up there, because um, obviously at Newcastle. um Obviously, asked, there were still people in front of me, like even like, my, um, like a year older than me, obviously, in terms of like Dan and Carl were the ones who, obviously, like I thought Newcastle obviously wanted to push and try to like get into the first team sort of thing. Um, and obviously, so for me, it was like always trying to prove I was better than, than them two, um, which is obviously something I tried, I'd done quietly. Like I never really, obviously I just said it there, but that was like the first time I've ever said that out loud sort of thing. Like. Uh-huh. Um, But, yeah, like, I just wanted to... For me, it was just about being a professional footballer at that point. Like, I just wanted to stay in men's football. Um, And then... Because, obviously, I don't know how highly Newcastle sort of rated... um, Rated, obviously, Scotland. And at the time, I remember even... I went up there like, a third-year scholar. So, at the time, Newcastle probably didn't rate us too highly. Um, I think it was just, like... That whole year was... Um obviously I w like even or oh, Kilmarnock, sorry, the half the season I was there, Newcastle didn't like they didn't really don't think the wrong as I spoke to was once, so for me it was just about like everything I'd done was either proven people at Newcastle wrong that I was could go on and, and play um obviously professional football at a high level. Um and obviously I got to do that the next year with, with Blackpool in England and I think that's when obviously Newcastle sort of realised oh it wasn't just like a half a season flu in Scotland, it was like I was able to go to Blackpool and, and, and do the
0: same thing, really. Yeah, because it, it was one of the things I put in my notes about. Like I always felt that you were kind of quietly just doing your thing in the background. Like, you only got a third-year scholar um, after your second year, and then obviously you went to, like you just said, that you went to Kilmarnock, you didn't really get a phone call or anything off Newcastle, but you were still progressing in the background. And the one thing I, I mentioned as well is that you never got like an England call-up through the ranks, which a lot of young lads, there's a lot of young lads that we played with in Newcastle who got England call-ups, but now... I don't know, some of them probably aren't even playing anymore. Like, I know that. Did you kind of feel like, I know obviously it's you want to play for your country and stuff, but did you kind of feel like it was quite nice that you've kind of just slowly crept up in the background and you've seen people who have played for England and stuff, and now you're obviously playing where you are now. Was it kind of a, a thing to egg you on, or was it more of a a little bit less pressure on yourself so you're like, all right, I see what everyone else is doing, I'm just going to focus on myself and just kind of work my way up and progress in the background nicely.
1: Uh, to be honest, I think, obviously, it's like anything you always want to... Uh, like that is, you used to see the victory shield on the telly and stuff, and you used to think, like, oh, I'd love to play for England, but in in my mind, I sort of knew that probably wasn't going to happen, like, whether that be from England scouts, obviously, watching games, um, or, like, if New, if England scouts would go to Newcastle and say, oh, have you got any players, like, ah. Always felt like my name wasn't wasn't going to be one of the names that was like pass forward sort of thing, Um which I, I didn't I didn't have a didn't have a problem with like because at the end of the day it's like you said the amount of people you see at 16 play for England or at 18 like 17, 18, 19 um, and then you see where they are now that I'd, I'd much rather take not playing for England but being able to play in the Premier League every week now like um mm-hmm. if someone offered one of the two it was an easy decision. Um I think as well, it's quite nice that they were in a in a different kind of way, really, and um, show ensure people like you don't have to play for England at, at every age group to be able to, to go and play in the the Premier like to be able to play in the Premier League or to be able to play in a first team somewhere. Um, obviously, it would always have been nice. Like, um, obviously, one of my goals was to, to play for England. I mean, I, I think till. It was obviously last year when I broke through. I was meant to go to the, the Euros with England, with the 21s, and that would have been the first time I'd, I'd played for England. Like, um, And obviously, I sort of knew in the back of my mind I was going to go. And then, obviously, got injured at, at West Ham. And um, obviously, that dream was sort of crushed. But obviously, that would have been nice. But like I said, my goal now is to, is to is thinking about, obviously moving forward about playing for England is if I want to do it now, it's got to be for the first team and um, it would be nice if one day that could eventually happen, but that's obviously not something I'm, I'm thinking about right now. And But my whole thing growing up was just focus on me, focus on what you're doing. Um, as long as you're doing the right things eventually, um, hopefully that hard work will pay off. But for me, it was never about playing for England an age group. It was always about um, trying to one day playing a play in first team and, and playing Newcastle's first team. Um, so for me
0: that yeah. was that was always the most important thing yeah it's fun. I mean you mentioned your injury there we'll, we'll touch on that later on but moved on after after Kilmonnet you went to Blackpool and obviously that was your first you had a full season now wasn't it a full, yeah. Yeah. full what was that like playing because obviously there's a lot of games in that league and it's obviously a physical league what was that like playing week in week out like obviously maybe two games a week um, for a full season what was that like mentally having to prepare for obviously the two games a week
1: it was. It's just like I said, it's so different. Like, it, yeah. I mean, at the start of the season, um, it was fine. Like, all the pitches are still nice, and um, it it was like we started off unbelievable. Like, we had a lot of the thing with our team at Blackpool was we had a lot of like young lads, but a lot of like footballers and. Even the old lads that were there were like we're proper footballers, like we were trying to play out. And um, I think after the first month and a half, we were like in like right up there, at the, the top of the table. Um, like, and some of the football we played was like honestly some of the best football I ever, I've ever been a part of. I think we played them once. Uh, I think them at the start of the season, and I think we we're winning two two nil at half time. But like, honestly, and I'm not just saying it. It sounds like a bit of an exaggeration, but like what, the way we we're playing was like was like not Barcelona but you know what I mean like in terms of their style yeah. like all of them come to try and press them were just like popping it around them and I was just like this is unbelievable but obviously as the pitches get worse um, the game sort of level out and that's when it got tough like I got away with it the first month probably two months of the season because the pitches were still decent and I was you know, obviously at the time I was a I felt like I was a better footballer than a, a lot of the people I was coming up with it wasn't until the pitches got bad and the, the game started getting sort of long balls, second balls, like fights and stuff. Um, that's probably when probably my game changed the most. Like I was able to adapt really well, but that was all because Blackpool, like, I think you've said it, like, they just grabbed us and said, right, you're going in the gym. Like, and before that, I used yeah. to go in the gym, but not really, I didn't used to go in the gym to like, you know what I mean? I used to go in the gym. It wasn't like with any specific, like, goals or anything i was going oh, yeah. to go in the gym where they sort of grabbed us and were like no no like every day you're you going in the gym and um i used to live in the hotel so they're like you don't have to go home anywhere you don't have to, you don't have anything to do like there's nothing to do in blackpool sort of thing like you can go you, you're going in the gym every day and um that was when obviously I, I probably took the gym more seriously and seeing the biggest change from me being like a, a, a kid still really to like being a uh, obviously sort of grown into a man, and um, if it wasn't for that, then oh, that was probably the biggest difference in me being able to develop and and probably do so well while I was a blackpool.
0: Yeah, because that was at the end of that, end of that season. That was obviously I seen I was injured in Newcastle at the time. And you came back in and I noticed like mate, you've been you've been lifting a bit. Like I could tell <laughs> you were broader shoulders. You had a bit of muscle in your legs. I was like mate, you're a different man. You just looked. Yeah, I think you must have grew as well because you look taller. You look bigger. And. Like I said I said what you, like, what you've been doing? Like as it like, oh mate black people have been getting me in the gym all the time, They're like, doing this. I mean, as I, was, I was, like, mate, you can tell it's obviously like helped you a lot physically. Yeah. How important do you feel like the physicality is at that level compared to like, the Premier League? Do you think you still need that sort of well, obviously physical strength in the Premier League as much as you do in the leagues?
1: Uh you, you definitely you definitely, definitely do still need it. I think it's probably used differently, um, in terms of like mm-hmm. In League One, League Two, it's probably used for like, you know, getting up ahead as like, how strong are you in the air? Like, holding people off, trying to, do you know what I mean? In more of like a dog fight sort of way. Where in the Premier League, it's more like, because the games are more sort of controlled in terms of like, you know, what how each team is going to play. Um, and you get that much information on players, who you're going to play against and how they want to play. Like, it's just different. But the game, the speed of the Premier League is just so much faster. Um, the biggest thing between them is obviously just the amount of mistakes that are made. Like in the Premier League, if you say in the Premier League, if you give the ball away once or twice, like it's noticeable that you're giving the ball away. When League One and League Two, you can keep giving it away, but because it's more of a dogfight, people probably don't notice as much. And um, but I'd say in the Premier League, it's just more the, the sheer pace of the game and the the, the just the physical toll or physical toll it takes on your body. And um, obviously, there's there's more. There's still like fighting, and there's still scrapping for second balls and stuff. But the game's so much more. Or the you, you have to think the game much quicker. Like it's more the mental fatigue, I think, in the Premier League, which which kills you. Mm-hmm. And then that's when obviously you look at the top teams like Man City's and that they'll just drain the life out of you. And then eventually, if they haven't beaten you, if they haven't scored early on, you'll eventually make a mistake or you'll you'll do something stupid where they'll take advantage of. Um so the games are totally different but physically you you, you need to be in top shape in, in both leagues I would say.
0: Yeah, do you think it's probably do you think the fitness aspect of it was probably a little bit more in the leagues or between obviously the league and the Premier League or was it pretty similar?
1: Uh I think it's again it's pretty similar. I think it depends on each person yeah. to be honest. I mean I think looking at me personally unless I'm like really fit, um I'm I'm not as good. Like I'll openly admit that. Like if I'm just as just as fit as everyone else, I'm like I'm pretty average to be fair. Like I'll. I'll, yeah. I'll like I think that was last season. Obviously with being injured and um, coming back, I wasn't as fit as I would have liked to be. Um, but in terms of the year before, I came back in really fit. And uh, I don't think Newcastle were expecting it. Um obviously I was probably the fittest there, and, and that helped us. And obviously. Going into this sort of shortened off season, like I obviously started running probably five days after the season had finished. Like, didn't really give myself much of a break, but that's because I knew, like, at the end of the day, if I'm not fitter than everyone else, I'm I'm gonna just be average. And um, and in terms of trying to get into the team at Newcastle, if you're just average, and you're not gonna get in the team. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think, like I said, it's it's each player of their own, to be honest. And I, but I think. For me, being physically fit and running fit is probably the, the most important bit of my game, a million percent.
0: Mm-hmm. I like how you know that, though, and you know that like you, you have that hunger, like you say, in five days after the season's over. You're still going up running. Like, a lot of lads, especially if they get to the Premier League level and they've played a few games and they can get quite comfortable at that level. And Maybe they're like, all right, I've, I've made it here. Like I'll be fine. Like, I'll do the running that's been set for us, but not do that extra little bit, like start it a little bit early. Obviously, you need your time to rest and recover and stuff, but having that little edge like you know and if you go into the season the fittest player there you're going to be you're going to be able to last that full season you're going to stay fit you're going to be better on the pitch so having that mindset it obviously goes, it's like we call it the Premier League mindset almost that's that's exactly what you need to have to get to that next level so moving on to obviously well, I haven't even touched on starting the season at Newcastle so you obviously left Blackpool you had you started preseason with Newcastle and then it was a few months until you actually made a like a, an actual debut if I if I'm not correct. Yeah, yeah. So what was it like going into pre season? What was your mindset right at the start of season? Were you thinking, right, am I gonna go out on loan here? Am I gonna try and go for a team um a place in the first team? What was going through your head? Uh to
1: be honest, I knew I was gonna go in and do pre season with the first team, but I'll be I'll be honest with you, I thought like I, d- I didn't think I would, like, get to stick around, if you know what I mean. Like, in terms of, I knew, mm-hmm. I always said myself, if you get a chance, like, you I think I'm good enough to, to stay there and be around I'll be around the first team. Um, I think as well, because a lot of the, the, the team at Newcastle, like, didn't know as I went in and, and done pretty well to start off pre-season. Like I said, I was fit. Like, I sort of done really well and, like, the, the running stuff were done. Um, but for me, it was probably, like, going in there, Spending a week, two weeks, seeing what the standards like, seeing what everyone's like, and then going back out on loan again and coming back, which would have been last pre-season to like really have a have a go sort of thing. But uh, I think I went to Ireland. Um, obviously played in the game, scored against in parts, done pretty well. And then it was funny. I'd been to port, I was at Portsmouth, and I was meant to go to Portsmouth on loan. Um, and basically, the day we got back from Ireland, the next day I was meant to go down to Portsmouth. So at the time, I still didn't know what was happening, whether I was staying or not. And um, so I said the bloke from Newcastle, oh, do you know what the crack is? Like, obviously, I'm meant to be going to Portsmouth tomorrow. And they were like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I think it's all sorted. Like I'm meant to be going down. And then they were like, no, you're not going down yet. And we need you to stick around for a little bit longer. And then as soon as I got that, like, little bit of, oh, they want wanted to stick around for a bit longer, that's when I thought, right, now this is this is the this is the best chance you're ever going to have to get into the first team like this is the the chance you've been asking for since you were a little kid like literally these are the next these next this next month or the rest of this preseason is the most important sort of time of, of your life really um mm-hmm. from then it was just about sticking around for another week and trying to turn that one week into two weeks two weeks into a month like that was just how i thought of it and every day every training session i thought i've got to be good here unless unless that's it um, and then luckily enough like the, the, the last day of pre-season I sort of thought all right am I gonna are they gonna keep us here and um, obviously the manager did and um, they, they liked what I'd done and and then it was just about training every day to to get a chance and uh, played in the Carabao Cup against Forest um, which I thought I'd done all right and to be honest but we lost so there was still like a lot of negativity around it's like anything especially when you lose at Newcastle like Mm -hmm. the the negativity around it's um, pretty crazy but uh, in terms of like me just focusing on the game I thought I'd done all right Um, and it was just about being patient and waiting for another chance and obviously it took a long time for us to get that chance Um, but obviously eventually when I did I Played at Liverpool, made my my Premier League debut at Liverpool, which was obviously the, probably one of the, the best days of my of my life. And then I remember we got to that January and went and see the manager. And thought I, at the time I thought I was training really well, and I I said basically I think I, I that should be playing. Or if I'm not playing, I want to go out on loan. Um, and obviously Rangers, one of the teams that was interested. And I thought, oh my god, this is unbelievable! Like I I want to go to Rangers like to be able to learn from Gerard and to be able to play in front of them finds every week will be unbelievable. Um and the one I just said, no, no, you need to you need to wait. You need to wait another week. Um and he's sort of such in well, like the way Rafa did it was such like a nonchalant like, Yeah, we'll we'll see. You need obviously him knowing the whole time that I was probably gonna come back and, and play or was going to get in the team. Um and then like I said, got in versus Chelsea, done all right and um, I was lucky that we had a few injuries and Key was away at the, the Asia Cup, but then because that was the, the opportunity I needed and I was able to stay in the team. And, and like I said, the rest of that season, oh, and to, up until like when I got injured, I, I, I thought I'd done pretty well and was improving every game. and um, like I said I sort of enjoyed every second of playing in the first team.
0: Yeah. So the one thing I noticed there was, it was probably one of the first times, there might be another times that I've, I've missed, but one of the first times in Newcastle have kind of showed like, like they want you, like the media almost. Because obviously the last few years, talking about going back to like your scholarship, you only got offered a third year score. So that's kind of like a, so for people who don't know, like you can, at the end of your second year score you can either get like a first year, like a professional contract, you can get released, obviously, or they can give you like an extended scholarship, which is like, it's not like they've... <laughs> To be fair, quite a lot of lads got them at that age. But yeah. it's kind of like, uh, yeah, we just want to see you a little bit more. That's kind of what it, when you get them, that's what's going through my head. And we want, you're not quite ready for a pro, but you will kind of want to keep you here for a little bit longer. But it's kind yeah. of like, um, it's, it's, it's positive that you're still there, but it's not the best thing. And then obviously you went on loan, done all this thing, and you were meant to be going on loan the Portsmouth, like you said, and then them saying to you, actually, no, no, we, we need you here. It's kind of that like, all oh, right, I'm, I'm actually wanting, I'm a part of this team. And I know how important that is. Like, I've been to places and, I've like, clubs and i felt like I'm kind of just a spare part. Like, I'm just I'm just there to kind of... Maybe I might play a few games or they might... You don't feel wanted, you don't feel as if you're needed. And as a player, having their manager or having a, a backroom staff or a team that kind of gives you that confidence and says, like, right, we actually want you to be part of this team, like, we, we need you. They obviously probably gave you that, like that Buzz to kind of say, Right now, I'm going to push on to the first. team. know, you've obviously took that on making your it was your Premier League debut with Anfield, wasn't it? That was yeah, the, yeah. the what, what was that like stepping on? Were you nervous? Did you have an inkling in your brain beforehand that you were maybe going to come off the bench, or was it kind of like, Oh, the gaffer just said, Yeah, all right, get, get ready. You're coming on. Uh, I, to
1: be honest, I didn't think I would come on because I thought like. I'd been on the bench probably six times before that and hadn't got on. So, and obviously the first time I got on the bench, I thought, oh, it's just like, it's what happens. Like, the manager's going to put you on. And um, Well, I think the manager was really clever in terms of, like, he didn't just reward us for, like, just being there sort of thing. It was like, you need to earn your place to be able to 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 play in the Premier League. Um, You need to, like, earn earn the right to play. Um, And obviously, I was on the bench at the start of the season and he'd obviously... I'd done well, but he wanted to see more, and that was probably what kept, I kept just grinding away, grinding away, and um, eventually, when I got that chance on Boxing Day, like I remember when he said my name, and obviously Liverpool at the time were—I don't think they won the league, but that day they went top of the league, and the atmosphere at Anfield was was unbelievable, like is like the loudest I've ever ever heard a football stadium. Believe it. Um, I remember going on and running on and thinking, like, like just how, how mental is this? Like, looking around at Arnfield, like, basically everything you've ever worked for, like, has, is, it's it's like happening in that moment. Um, but then you've got to, like, quickly switch on and remember, like, you're playing, you're actually playing a football game. And you've got to, mm-hmm. if you don't think you're good enough to be there, like, these people will run over you. And um, that's the mentality you have to have. Um, so I, especially for me, it was like, you've got to believe you're good enough to be there. And obviously I thought I was. Um, you've got to try and pretend that, you know, Salah, um, like Jordan Henderson, the, the Van Dyke, like them top people are just normal, or them top players are just normal people that you're more than good enough to play against, um, which is pretty crazy when you, you you sort of say it like that. But uh, that's how I yeah. thought of it. And I remember running on and I think i said it before in a couple of interviews, like I just... I just remember thinking, run on. Please don't fall over. Like I hope my pants don't <laughs> fall down. Like just sort of stupid things that I would never ever think of before. But because I knew there was that many people watching, um, and it was such a big moment, I didn't want to be the one person that like done something stupid as they're well running on. But uh, now that's to be honest, I guess definitely.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say you don't want like a highlights highlights reel of you on YouTube just falling it's over really, in the middle of the on like, your DVD.
1: Uh, the bit... DVD of like you know them. <laughs> Football's funniest moments of like
0: me on one of them DVDs. <laughs> yeah, I say like, I'm. It's, they have them in barbershops. You sat in a barbershop. You just say, "Oh, yeah there's Sean. nice there. fell over <laughs> again. There we go. It's not what you want, like." So obviously that must have been that was obviously a massive confidence boost which you obviously took on. And then your full debut was Chelsea. When did you get told that you were gonna play the game, the night before or? Uh, I think we're done. We're done. A, like obviously you do
1: shape and stuff before the game. Um, and obviously, I think Rafi used to do it in like sort of two different teams. He used to take like one team over first, and then you would take like a different team over, so you're still always guessing a little bit. Um, but he, he basically like, took me over in the first team, and that was nine times out of ten the team that would play. And uh, and I remember thinking, like, like no way, like, am I actually am I actually like playing? Um, and then obviously, the swap players around in our stayed and I was like I remember just thinking to myself like like fucking okay hell like I'm I'm gonna be playing I'm starting a game in the Premier League um which was which was mental like especially against Chelsea when you you look at the players they've got um it was just like unbelievable I remember I think it's funny I think my my dad was with my uncle um and I was just like they're they're like grandparents and stuff and, and, and their cousins in like the, in a social club somewhere. And I remember I went to meet them after training because we're, I just went to be like going to see everyone. you they're like, oh, what's the crack I was training? And I was like, I think I'm playing. And like everyone was in shock. So I think this social club in Wall's End or wherever and wherever I was, like they knew I was starting the day before the game. Um, but I think half the people in there still probably didn't believe I was actually going to play, like thinking, nah, you yeah. can't play away at Chelsea. But I think... In terms of it being Chelsea, was the, just perfect because no one thought I would go there and and play well and, and do anything. Sort of, you know what I mean? They thought I would just sort of sink. Um, but for me, I thought of it as a as a free hit and and just go out there and enjoy yourself. And it's the, the chance you've been waiting for, for 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 your whole life and every mm-hmm. every sacrifice you've made, every um, every time you didn't go out drinking with your friends or every time you stayed in. When teammates were going on nights out when they were old enough like this is this is the moment that you've sort of worked for so it was like you've asked for this opportunity you've sacrificed everything it's up to you now to take it and um obviously we got beat but i thought I'd, I'd done well in the game um i think as the game went on i got more and more confidence started to play a few like longer passes be a bit more expansive um which obviously paid off and um like i said probably obviously i I'd done pretty well and was able to stay in the team but that one day was was unbelievable and um, a day I'll, I'll never ever forget
0: Yeah so it sounds like well obviously you talked about you saw Chelsea because it was such a big team you weren't expected to play well you kind of saw it was a little bit less pressure and then the same way obviously Liverpool you were looking at the Salah and Henderson and stuff and thinking oh they're just normal lads like do you feel that you kind of when it comes to like because obviously it's massive massive high pressure situations you kind of use things to take the pressure off you and look at things in a lot more relaxed manner do you feel like that's the sort of you probably don't realize it it's like a um a method almost that you use but do you feel like that's the kind of thing that you do just that you probably don't realize you do it yourself like i said but you kind of feel like that's what you kind of do to, to take the pressure off and let you be a bit more relaxed and play the game that you want yeah no, um,
1: like a million percent um I remember the, the biggest thing was that like you stood in the tunnel and like you go from in the 23s game, you stood next to like other, other young lads you don't really know. Um, and then you go to like Liverpool or Chelsea and Man City. Like I remember I stood in the tunnel and you like, look next to you and you've got like Aguero and De Bruyne and, and Hazard and William and like just the best players in the world sort of thing that like I stood next to you. And if you, if you, think of them as them them type of people like like I said you'll you'll be in awe of them and you, you won't get close to them and you won't be able to to play against them really. So for me it was just thinking, ah, they're normal people and I remember thinking they're playing in the same game as me so as much as they are good, I remember thinking they can't be that good if I'm playing in the same game as them. Like you're just as good as them to be able to play against them. Like they were the things that I had to get in my head to be able to to play against them really. Um I just remember, like, that is the only thing I remember thinking. Um, I think, I, well, the, the Man City game was I walked out next to Aguero and I looked at his boots and uh, I thought, like, it sounds so stupid, but I was like, they're just normal, like, Puma boots he's got on. Like, and I was like, he's got normal boots on. He's just, like, he's another football player. Like, I don't know why I expected him to have, like, magic shoes on or something, like, it's <laughs> such a stupid pair. But, like, I remember thinking, oh, they're just, like, a normal pair of, Of Football boots, like, you're going to play a football game and that's the way of me simplifying it to try and be able to, to perform at my best against them.
0: Yeah. Goes to show that, though, because obviously we talked about before how much of a shy lad you were, like... A lot of people would obviously probably just go into the shell and stuff in them sort of situations, being from a shy lad. But you've obviously, you've had these little things that have helped build your confidence and you've had these little methods in your head, which probably, they're probably not even methods. They're probably just things that you think to get you through it. Like psychologists mm-hmm. would call them, oh yes, they're a scientific method to to cope with pressure. But you just do them naturally kind of thing to get through these little situations. Like you probably had them in, in their 18s. There was probably little things that you did that then obviously you start scoring goals and you went on loan to Kilmarnock, you probably had little things in your head, playing at Celtic Park, same thing, and then obviously progressing, Blackpool and then Newcastle. Like each time kind of every method that you had worked, build your confidence up, same thing again, just build your confidence up. So it goes to show like anybody can do it. Realistically, you've just got to kind of find the way around it. Like some people might have different methods, some people... And then I don't know, like might like picture the other team naked or something stupid like that, like yeah. random things like that. Like the work, like I'll go into. Like I used to put so much pressure on myself in games, even if it was just like under twenty three games. I used to like put so much pressure on myself that like, you need to perform, you need to perform. And then with the like, the days where you're most like most nervous and thinking about everything, and days you have bad games. Yeah. Now, like going to football, I just try. I just try and pretend like it's a. It's kind of. It's might might work for some people, but kinda of go into an atmosphere like a, a mindset where you're you're quite relaxed and it's almost like you're not bothered. Like you look at the likes of Edison, he looks like he's like, not arsed. Like when he's playing, he literally looks like he's not arsed. But that obviously works for him because he probably just goes into a game like so relaxed. And I watched the Man City documentary on Amazon. I don't know if you watched, I can't remember what it's called now. But like in the change room, even at half time, he's just like sitting. Yeah. Just, just just chilling. Like he's not, he's not just went out playing in front of sixty thousand people. So it's kind of that mindset. Whatever, whatever makes it work, fits for you. And obviously, you've used it, used it very well.
1: Yeah, I so, think it, it's funny you say that though, because obviously I remember obviously being at Newcastle, like playing in the same team as you and like as you and stuff. And I remember like, it's it's funny because in Newcastle I didn't feel like, obviously I felt like I was rated, but I felt like I rated myself higher than. Like the, the coaches and stuff. So for me every time I went to play for newcastle I just felt like I was just so relaxed and I was like, ah, like ah fuck it sort of thing. Like it's a twenty threes game, like obviously it was an important game, but I was just so relaxed and I just felt comfortable in that situation where there was times I would look at people and I'd think like they look so like they look so nervous as if like it's a it's a it's a World Cup final. So sort of. not do you know what I mean? Like in terms of the amount of pressure—I can see people putting more pressure on themselves like than I did. Um, but it's—it's it's just funny, like because like you say that like, you were thinking it, and there's times where I would like yeah. look at and think and think that sort of thing. It's—it's it's just pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, it's—it's—it's it's, it's weird that you look at people like, and then you also look at the way you look at people who think they—they they look really confident. Like I looked at like yourself, and then I looked at people like Smithy. He always looked quite calm. He always looked tired. To be fair, he always <laughs> didn't. He? he always used to start <laughs> a game looking shattered, but he would just—he—he he could just run for days. But he was, like... And the one that looked... I'm to think of people off the top of my head. Matt Gillespie, Armour, all them. So sort of, They always looked really confident. Freddie, as well. Always yeah. looked... But I don't, obviously, know what goes through the head. There might have been lads who looked confident. Like, like, yourself, you look confident, but you might have had a little bit of nerves and stuff inside. Yeah. Certain, like in certain times. But it's just how you cope with it. And then, like you said, there's so many lads that, that... You see them in training, and they're obviously really good players, but they get on the pitch, and they just look terrified. Like, the ball gets on them, and they're, like... What do I do? With it? I need to get rid of it now and just kick it. It's that's what was in mindset and being able to deal with pressure and having confidence in yourself as a player. Like is one of the most in, most important things. And one of the little good little quotes that I, I read your interview when you were on about your knee injury when you were playing. I think you said scoring like scoring after Burnley and then you and playing against Man City. One of the things that you said was, "Yeah, I should be here and I can be here." That that yeah. moment was one of the things where. You kind of flipped the switch and said, "Like, look, like this is this is what I'm about." Which I think it takes a lot to get to that level to actually be able to to yourself. Yes, I'm. I'm capable of being at this level. Yeah. So, one thing I really wanted to talk about was obviously our injury, which is like one of the big things that I'm one about because I've had about fifty yeah. billion. I had I had two. Too many injuries, so it's one thing to talk about. Because um, obviously it was West Ham, wasn't it? West yeah. Ham away. Um. Was, was it? Snodgrass. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, obviously, it came in for the challenge. You've came out the worst of it. What was the first thing that was going through your head at the time?
1: Um, to, well, I just remember, like, in the game, like, obviously, they'd, they'd scored. To be honest, uh, and it, it's actually funny I say this now, but that was the first time I'd went into a game in the Premier League and thought, like... Um, I, like I, I need to be good today, like I this I need to be do you know what I mean? That was the first time I'd put that pressure on myself. Um whether it was like people compare obviously at the time people were talking about Declan Rice and I looked at him and thought like well he's similar like a similar age, similar position, like I need to try and be better than him rather than just like me just playing the game like um and I think that was that was the so that was the first time I went to the game with a little bit of like not a, a, f- a few nerves sort of thing. Um, I think it was probably the first time in a real, like hostile environment um, in terms of like, I remember just standing in the tunnel in the warm-up, and um, like, I would normally do, but the, it, like overhangs, so like the, the fans can like see you sort of thing. And I just remember like, I would yeah. just get, get absolutely hammered off these West Ham fans. And I was just like, like, oh, this is different sort of thing. Not that that like had a massive effect on us, but it was just all new experiences again. Um, and obviously yeah, it was probably in the game we started off the game struggling a little bit um obviously they scored early on and then like i think I, in terms of in the game like i still made some good passes and, and done some good things um but it was just it was a different feeling around the game um but then obviously that tackle i should looking back now i should know, like should never ever tackle them or if i if i tackled them like tackle them properly sort of thing um and i remember like sort of half pulling out the tackle and um, I remember as it happened when he hit my knee like I just remember I got like a dull feeling in my knee but it was obviously a feel I'd never like I'd never really been injured before in terms of like anything serious and um, I was so lucky growing up like the only thing probably my hands were like ankle injuries and stuff Um, so I was quite lucky like that but when he hit my knee I remember my knee went like dull and I remember him like he was rolling on the ground screaming and I was like oh, I must have hit him there. So, I didn't really think, like, about me, even though I knew my knee's not right here. Um, I remember i got up and the ref was speaking to us, and I remember my, I stood up in my knee, like, Noah, obviously because it's your PCL, so my knee, like, snapped back. Um, and I mm-hmm. thought, oh, that's not normal. Like, that's a bit strange. I think there was probably 10 minutes left in the half, so I thought, oh, I hope that, I think I might be able to just run it off, like, in the back of my mind, like, I'm like, oh, it'll be fine and I remember running back for the free kick in my leg just like snapping back all the time and I thought nah this this can't be right but I remember thinking nah like you can't give up your place in the team like this easily like literally someone's going to have to come and carry us off this pitch if they want to like if they want to basically if they, if they, if they, if they want to take my spot or if I'm you know I mean I'm not just going off the pitch I remember playing like the last 10 minutes of the, the half and my knee was so so I could hardly run um I was just like limping around and got in and got, obviously got in a half timer. I set a micro physio when I was walking and I said, Oh my, oh, I think so my knees a bit sore after that tackle, like it's still aching a bit. And he said, oh, all right, just jump on the bed. We'll have a look at it. And obviously the test they do is they like the move your, I don't know what it's called, but they obviously move your, your knee around in the bit below it to see yeah. how, like, how much bend it's got. And I remember obviously if that's my knee, my, my shin bone just like <laughs> went back there. And I remember the look on the look on Michael's face was like you no know, in like shock so Michael was like yeah and then obviously he knew it was bad but didn't want to give away to me that it was that it was that bad um
0: yeah
1: so he he said all right yeah just go and like sit down and he's obviously went back and he tells us now the story and he says he go, he goes to the dock and he goes to Dell or Derek and, and, and obviously in the chamber he says Sean's done his PCL like, he's, he's, he's fucked. <laughs> and I remember he tells us now, ah, we'll, we'll have a laugh about it. And uh telling the doc, go, oh, what? And Mike I was like, oh, I like, go and have a look at his leg. Like, it's, it's, it's like, it's really bad.
0: It's, it's fucked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so then I remember sitting down and thinking, like, after he's just done that, after I've just seen my leg, like, literally snap back. Like, I was thinking, there's no way I can play here. Like, I have finally came out the realisation, like, if I go, I'm um, hurting the team. And I didn't want to obviously put the team in that situation. I remember thinking to myself, like, I can't go out here. But no one said to us, like, you need to, you're coming off. And the manager starts speaking to us. He says, Sean, you need to do this, this, and this. But in my head, I'm thinking, I'm not playing here. Like, I, I, I can't play. Like, I, it, it, was, it was so, like, looking back now, it was so funny. So the doc comes over, does the same test. And I just remember looking at these, like, yanking my leg around. And um, I think at the time everyone was in the change room and it was, I was still like, all right, but like not happy, but like, like quite, like quite content with myself. And like, but then suddenly everyone went outside and the doc said, Oh no, you're, you're not going back out. And I was like, oh, all right, ne- never in my, and I mean, I knew it was bad, but because i would never had a serious injury, I didn't realize like how bad it was sort of thing. And, um, I just remember like Del boy and, um, well, Del and oh, Derek, sorry. Um, just, oh, no. like, like saying, oh, we, uh, you you, we think it's your PCL in your knee. And I said, oh, but the, but they didn't say, like, how bad it was. And I'm one of them people that wants to know straight away, like, is it bad, is it not bad? Like, I, at the time, I was like, H- how long, how long? And Del was like, oh, we need to just have a – I need to speak to the doc. But, obviously, Dell knew at the time, like, it was going to be, like, a good few months. Um, and, obviously, at that time, I was on top of the world and um, sort of – it's funny, like, football's got a funny way of, like, bringing you back down to earth, or sport does, really, in general. And um, yeah. from me being, like, on top of the world, like, literally thinking I could do anything, anything I'd done, I thought I was going to be able to do, like, whether that be on the pitch, off the pitch, like, and then to just, obviously, for that to happen, it was a, a real killer. And um, obviously, you end up the next, like, next four or five months were, like, without a doubt, the toughest four or five months of my life, like, w- without a doubt.
0: Yeah, what was it like afterwards? So did you stay in a hotel in London after the game, or did you go straight back home?
1: No, we we came we came back. We we flew back straight after the game, and um, obviously Michael, his always like I'm gonna have to drive your car home like you can't drive home. So it was it was my accelerator and brake foot. So he dropped us off at home, and we got back at like I think twelve half twelve, and he came in the house and. Um, he was just like, oh, well, like, we'll, I'll see you tomorrow sort of thing. And um, I think he, he was like, he was pretty, he was, the videos were really good. Uh, Michael was just like, we'll see you tomorrow. Like, we'll see how it is. Hopefully it's like settled down a bit. Um, I said, like, oh, all right, perfect. And, but it, I think I knew, because um, oh, in the corner, the way home I said to Michael, like Del wouldn't tell us how, how bad is it. And he just said, like, you're not going to play again this season. Like, it's, like it's, he said in a call he said like oh it's, it's fucked like that's what he said um and I just remember like all the life got sucked out of us at that point I was just like so good at that I remember having my head in my hands and um and like I said for the next probably for oh, when I got in the house sorry um I remember just going in see my mom my brother my sister and and just said like it's really bad and Obviously they were gutted, but I was probably more—I was more gutted than anyone. And uh, we just sitting up till three o'clock in the morning, um, watching the telly and um, feeling sorry for myself. And uh, like I said it was the next months after it were so tough. And I um, was probably the first time you probably hear people talk about mental health and all that stuff. And I never thought like I thought ah that'll that'll never affect me. That'll never whatever to me. But it, it definitely did and like i said the next four five months were, were really tough
0: yeah it is like, obviously i know it's like having long-term injuries and that, that initial like sickly sort of feeling like all right you, you're gonna be out for however long the end of the season for you like it's it is a shock and you you don't know how to cope with it and you do yeah you, 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 you need to have that moment of feeling sorry for yourself because it's a shit thing that happened to you getting injured so how long did it take for you to kind of Get out of that sorry sort of state and flip that mindset and saying right now I need to focus on getting myself back fit. Because for a lot of lads they kind of do dwell on it quite a bit and maybe feel sorry for themselves too long. When did it kind of hit you to change um, that mindset?
1: I think it probably, t- I think I was probably like that for maybe a couple of weeks. I like felt sorry for myself, but I was lucky because I'd done so well, um, like. I still had confidence in myself that I was. I was just basically. Well, you've showed everyone you can play in the Premier League. Like you showed everyone you can play at that level. You can perform well at that level. Like be one of the the top players in the games and stuff. Um, which obviously all of, it was just a massive help um, getting through it. Knowing that when I got back, um, I'd because I'd done so before. I'd get another chance, sort of thing. Um, but I just remember like just it being so tough. I was in a brace for twelve weeks. Um, obviously I went to Toronto for a week on holiday, which was great. I got to go and watch like ice hockey over there, which obviously I'm massive into because of my dad. Um, so i got to do a couple of things. I'd, I'd obviously had on my bucket list, um, which was obviously a a little positive, but like, I just remember, it's just weird. Like, I I can't really explain the feeling, but I just remember like I was pretty down on myself and I remember like walking around and said I have my head up high. it It was, I had my head low and, um, just, I don't know, it's just such a weird, because everything was brand new for the, first, for the first bit. It was all right. Like I'd never been in going and seeing the physio every day and having like treatment and like these exercises I was doing were brand new and I thought like, oh, it's not too bad. But then obviously because it was at the end of the season, all the lads left and I was still in the summer by myself and it just hit us like that was when it absolutely killed us. Like, And I've never, ever spoke about it. This is the first time I've ever spoke about it really. Um mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd always said, yeah, I was fine. But I wasn't like, you know, I think my family knew that the people close to us around us knew I wasn't. We went on holiday and I was just, we went on holiday to Florida and I was just so miserable. Like, I, and looking back now, I'll I, I probably I've not regret how I was, but like, I, I feel so bad on like my, Nana, and my grandpa, like that was the, probably the last big family holiday we were going to get to go on. And I was just like, I just wasn't there. Like. I wasn't in there, like, I was there, but mentally I wasn't there. I was miserable. I was, like, horrible to be around. And um, obviously that was something I was, like, quite disappointed in myself in, like, because that it then affected, like, things outside of football and affected, like, my family who I know are always going to be there for us and always going to help us and stuff. But, like, but I took my frustrations out on them rather than on channeling it into a positive and using it to get back fitter stronger better sort of thing which is obviously mm-hmm. something that um i look back on with a little bit of regret to be fair
0: yeah when you're in that sort of mindset though it's kind of it is a selfish mindset that you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're taking out but you don't realize that you just you're not thinking about anything that you're saying like you're literally just focused on getting all the shit that's inside you all the emotions and stuff that you're feeling just get it out whatever it is if it's taking it like i've had it before when i had my last injury I'm, i took it out on my girlfriend it's like yeah. Like you're, you're, you're lucky you need to have the right people around you that kind of understand and maybe do take a little bit of shit for you which are obviously for your family and stuff they probably did and they've obviously supported you through because they understand the reasons but it is hard sometimes you just you do need to just uh, it, it is bad So you, you need to control it in a sense but you do need to get it out and whatever that way and like if you do need to go on holiday and have a, a skate I did a podcast with Peter Ramage uh, Rami, like a few weeks ago yeah. and we talked about it because he's obviously had a few injuries and he said um he went away, I think it was to America with his mate, and he literally said, I got pissed for a week, like just to get it out of my system. And then when I came back, I was like, Right, I'm back. Like, I'm, I'm going to focus on getting fit. And then Dennis Rodman from the obviously the Chicago Bulls back in the day, he was the same, but his, his wasn't injury. His was he just needed to go <laughs> a, a weekend in Vegas and get absolutely smashed and then come back. And he was flying. Like, it worked for him. Some like people need that sort of escape. Like, I did it myself. For my last injury, I. Stupidly boot myself a few days and I'd be for in, hated every single day of it. But I needed it, and I flipped the switch. And I talked about in the podcast, like I wrote down in my diary, which I've started doing like a little journal every day since probably like a year ago. So probably since after I left Newcastle, to be fair. Um, that like I wrote in it, like mate, you're be- you're better than this. Like this isn't what your your yeah. life's all about, kind of thing. You, they don't go out, you know, the type of person to go out and get pissed and waste your life. Like do something about it. Yeah. So that kind of moment can can kind of flip the switch and then you come back into it fresh new mindset and then you can push forward so after you're obviously I'll say recovering from your injury I know what it's like when you're coming in rehab wise and it feels did it feel like your job sort of changed from right arm professional footballer to right arm like uh, I'm 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 a professional injured athlete. Like this is I'm going in each day because I felt like I talked about it with Smitty on the podcast. Like that the mindset changes. Like I'm going in every day to work, but my work is to do gym stuff and yeah, you kind of it's it's hard to slip fit that mindset. Is that what you kind of felt like the same as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the the first few weeks of it weren't actually too bad when I was going in because obviously all the lads were there. I was still um. Like having the having the crack and the banter and uh, that was alright. It was literally when the season had finished and I knew I was still in, and just like having to go in by myself every day and doing these long sessions that were just like, I mean, I was still getting a, a bit of pain in the in the top of my knee, like in terms of the tendonitis stuff, and um, so I, that annoyed us. That that didn't get any better over a massively long period. Like it's still something that plays up every now and again um, now, which is, like, well, m- well, much more than a year on, like... So there was some bits that were just so, like, annoying and it it does, it drains the life out of you and then eventually you go back to, to like, kicking the ball around and there was things that, like, I, I could do without thinking, like, in terms of, like, passing the ball. If someone said, oh, pass the ball there, I could just, like, I could do it sort of thing and then now I, I, when I got out the brace or when I started doing it again, I couldn't do it and it was, like so hard because i have i set such high standards for myself that when i couldn't do it straight away like it just annoyed us so much and um it was all brand new things that i had to to get a grips with and um like eventually like i said all the time you, you do but in terms of the, the first bit of rehab it's so tough and um like i said i absolutely hated it when people were away on some of my holidays and stuff and i was in the gym like having to grind away and trying to build up my muscle and um, like I said that's what I mean it all carried on into this season in terms of not allowing me to be as fit as I could to to come back for this season and started behind the eight ball and um, like I said it wasn't even just like the end of that season I missed, I felt like I missed probably the the, the half of this season Like I wasn't great, I put the second half of the season out I was much much better and felt a lot more comfortable in myself but like I said, it was just a, a carry on a dominoes, a, a domino effect of, of things that just like, obviously, that sort of went wrong. Um, and then, yeah. like I said, now hopefully I'm out the other side of it and back confident with it. And um, like I said I can't wait for next season to to hopefully get back to where I was um, in, in terms of the season before last.
0: Yeah, it takes it takes a lot of time to get back. Like longer than you think, even when you're back fit. Like you, still have, like you said, you still have those niggles and like you probably have that mental block. Like, all right, I've, there's still something wrong here. Like, I've had something done to this, this knee. Does it feel 100%? And then obviously building your confidence back up again. Did you ever feel like there was little bits of doubt in your mind throughout the process? Especially even when you were like playing your first game back after knee, was the doubts, like firstly in terms of your ability, but also like the stability of your knee and stuff and confidence in, in the injury itself?
1: Yeah, I think the, the big thing was like, in terms of the stability of my knee like I just felt like my like, every time I would stand on my knee I just felt like it was wobbling and stuff like which is I've always like been blessed where I could I, a lot of my thing was if I do it without I could just do it without thinking sort of thing the more I thought about passing it somewhere like the worse it would be sort of thing in a in a funny sort of like a stupid sort of way um so when I came back in there was things I was trying to do and I couldn't do it. Like it was just, it just was so frustrating for us. Um, but I mean, I think the other thing as well, which was, was obviously with the manager, with Rafa going, and obviously we're bringing in the new manager. Um, I knew I wasn't it's, it my sort of peak to impress the new manager, um, which is like, so the new manager came in and he seemed like a, 60% fit, showing long stuff, uh, and then you know what I mean, and it was I was always like behind the the eight, or behind the eight ball in terms of trying to like show him how good I was, but still couldn't fully do things I wanted to do. Um, which is probably the the most exciting thing for for this season. I think hopefully it's going to be the first time I'm like fully fully fit going into a season with the new manager, and hopefully, um, obviously it's like a different show long stuff that you get to see, which um something I'm quite looking forward to but in terms of with the, the injury there was like I said it was just it took a while for us to to get, to get used to like running in a slightly different way or um, like passing the ball in a slightly different way in a different position like those are little things that you would never ever think would change but they do and um, it's until you you get used to them that's when you you can sort of get back to to normal in a, in a, in a sort of funny yeah. type of
0: it's all patience like you said you do have to change you get, after you have an injury you are technically never never the same again you probably have to do loads of like pre-hab ex- exercise before training like it's never right I'm turning up for training I'm going to go out to go for a jog and then I'm ready to train it's loads of different things that like your body changes once you have a serious injury your body completely changes um, so it does take time and obviously next season is kind of a nice little fresh start for you because now you've got this off season to get 100% fit and then you'll hopefully have a, a great season which I, I think you will mate you'll be fine I, try, I believe that you will Anyway so last Last little bit Because I realise We've been chatting For ages here And you've probably You've probably fallen asleep But uh, <laughs> last little bit So Do you feel like Obviously Especially being like A local live Do you feel The almost You could call it fame In a sense Being a Premier League Footballer the, the local club Do you feel like It ever gets to you mentally In terms of obviously Like going to the shops And stuff And there's probably A lot of people Who like look at you Like oh they're showing like, Or they're even like Walking through town do you feel like there's ever a time that you just want to kind of like escape it all, or does it does it get to you at all?
1: Um, I mean, maybe a little bit. Um, I think I'm lucky. Like a lot of like the interaction I have with fans and people, it's like oh, a lot of it's positive. Like, um, and it's obviously something that comes that comes with getting into the first team at Newcastle. And um, Newcastle's such a small little bubble. Like, if you do well, like it comes with it. And to be honest, it's it's not something I mind massively. It's it's more. I think you wrote it in the the centres, like um, in terms of me being so quiet and like yeah. it, in terms of before this, like I couldn't even have a conversation with a stranger without going red and like it was just I was so awkward. I uh, was so awkward. Sorry, um, but now I feel I think it's helped. I've become a lot more confident in myself and um, probably believe in myself a lot more. Um, I mean, it's 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 still. I just still find it weird that people want to come up to us and speak to us about stuff and um, and people's like recognise us. Like I'll go, out with the, I'll go out shopping and I'll, you know, just quickly go to Morrison's. I'll knit the a co-op around the corner from mine and there's people in there that like are just like in shock a little bit when they see you. Um, mm-hmm. Which is just, it's just baffling to me because I just think I'm just like still normal and just all I do is like go and play football. Um, but I think as well, you get a big buzz off it, like especially like young kids and that, like in terms of I'll go and watch my little cousin play and you see his team, sometimes his teammates will say his and be like, oh, my, Like there's Marty and Sean Longstaff if we go and watch. And, um, sometimes the the looks on, on young kids' faces, like it's like they've just seen, like a, like they're in shock. Like I always like laugh at some of them when they're, they're like they're full on like, like when they give you that face <laughs> it. It's that type of feeling, which is like, it also gives you the, right, for me, it's like, it's such a, a nice feeling to, to have people think about you in that way. Um, and it g- gives you that bit of drive and um, a bit more determination to, to keep doing well and, um, and obviously so that can happen for, for lots more years to come
0: yeah I know you can tell that you and Matt you're both like I said before dead grounded lads so it's one of the things fame's never going to get to your heads and obviously you've got your dad and your, the family around you are gonna they're going to keep your ground I know your dad would be on your case straight away if if anything went out, out of shape but now finishing off three questions which I ask all of my guests I don't know if you had a little look at them before so you've prepped a little bit because they're quite tough to be fair so first one is three people you would like to invite round for dinner or go out for a coffee with past or present as well,
1: um, I think to be honest, it would be. I'm obviously quite into like American sports, so but I love my basketball and ice hockey. So, obviously, probably number one would be LeBron James. Um, I just think, like, for how how long he's obviously been at the top of his sport, and um, obviously, totally different to football, but in terms of the way he manages everything, in terms of like off, off the court sort of stuff, like, I'd love to just sit and pick his brains for a little bit. Um, so. Another one is probably an ice hockey player called Sidney Crosby. Um, probably not many people will know him. Uh, he's Canadian, plays for Pittsburgh, which is like my favorite ice hockey team. But he's been at the 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 top of of his sport for a, a long while now. And I'd love to, I'd love to, because of my dad playing ice hockey as well, I'd love to be able to sit with him and talk about him about how, you know, like how his 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 training different to like football and all that sort of stuff. Same with the LeBron James, like diet plans and how they're eating, um, how they prepare for stuff. Like, I think there's nothing better for me. I love just like, I'm a bit of a nerd in that way, like watching how people will prepare for games, what they'll, if I can like find out what they're eating or what stuff they'll do. Like, if anything I can take from someone else and use for myself, like it's always, it's only going to benefit me. So that's something I'm sort of massive on. And probably the third one's probably, probably is Stephen Gerrard. Um, I think just the fact that to sit with him and obviously with it being football, how he dealt with pressures of playing for Liverpool in terms of his hometown and um, obviously different level because obviously in terms of Liverpool are fighting for more success at the minute than or when he was playing the, the Newcastle were. But um, he's someone I'd love to speak to about how, how to deal with the pressure of playing in front of a hometown and dealing with ups and downs. And um, Obviously, I think them three are the, the three that I would probably choose.
0: Yeah, pretty solid three. I was gonna ask you about nutrition, just to sneak another little question, in just quickly, do you have like a when do you have like a little nutrition kind of program for games and stuff? Are you kind of have it like the old school beans on toast like like everyone used to back in the day?
1: <laughs> uh, to be honest, I think it depends. Like with home and away games, I think home games depend on what because the games start at different times. Like sometimes I'll I go out for breakfast with two of my friends. Like if it's an earlyish game or three o'clock game, like I'll eat a big breakfast with them and um, always go to the same place, try and sit in the same sort of similar seat if we can, like in the yeah. superstitious type of way. Like um, My friends, Harry and Nile, will we'll normally go out for breakfast. Um, and then, but for me, like, I, I don't know. I think it's something that I, obviously sort of in terms of watching what you eat, like I'm one who will eat like chocolate, like I'll eat sweets, like, I'll eat good meals, but I also, like, snack quite a lot, which is probably quite bad, like, where I look at Matty and Matty's just, like, I'm on one end of the spectrum and Matty's at the other, like, he's so professional, like, even, like, four days before a game, he's like, I can't eat that because it's going to take my salt levels down. Um, It's got, like, stuff I I haven't even heard of Matty's, like, Matty does, which is, it just shows how, like, how dedicated he is to, like, absolutely everything in terms of, like, in the gym, um, Matt is, obviously Matt is, I'm lucky because he's my brother, but he literally is the most professional person I've ever been around. Um, and he's only 19 mm. and that's why he's probably been able to do what he's done at such a young age. Like it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy to be fair.
0: Yeah. He's a little strong lad as well. as a little beast. I, know. I remember I, in the gym, he was always quite strong as well. So yeah. finish off the last two questions I was going to ask. Uh, three people you'd want to train with. So this could be football wise or in the gym.
1: Uh. I think i don't know to be honest it's it's a hard one um obviously i think w- number one again would be lebron james like i said i, I he's he's like my sporting role model and um, he's someone i like look at and um someone i look at and try and look up to and i see how dedicated he is and how hard he works and stuff like that i try and watch like what workouts he does and stuff i'd, I'd love to and he's in. He's in such good shape. Like he's an absolute animal. Like he's someone I'd love to. Um, he's someone I'd love to to sort of work out with and and see what see what it's like. But I think number two would be more just like on, on the football field. I think obviously someone like a Messi, where just to see how good they are and um, mm-hmm. be able to experience them sort of firsthand would would be unbelievable. And then I don't know. I think another one would be like. Uh, to train with there's just so many like good players, but maybe like someone in my position, so like uh, probably Frankie De Jong at Barcelona, a, a youngish lad. Um, I watch him and think, in terms of like he looks like quite a similar height to me, quite a similar build, like how he does things. I'd I'd love to obviously I'll try and watch little bits and try and take what he does into into. Sort of my game and stuff. I'd, I'd love to be able to train with Messi and, and Frankie De Jong and and just them top players. And then if it was in the gym, it would probably be someone like Lebron James.
0: Yeah, that'd be a decent little decent little session. That and then last one. One thing that you would say to yourself five years ago.
1: <laughs> and I'm i I obviously when I was reading the notes, I seen this, and it's so hard. Like um, what I would say to myself, because obviously there's the stuff about like what you'd say to your younger self and stuff. Um, well, I think if if it was, to, it would just be to like every year, like don't like just be relentless in what you do sort of thing. Like in terms of the biggest thing for me is like in the break we'll have um, it's, I think it's happened obviously once would was when obviously I'd like not, didn't work as hard as I did the previous summer. And it's such a big difference. Like just the big thing for me is just knowing that at the, at the end of every season, going into pre-season you need to be as fit as you can like every single season but I know that now which is obviously comes with experience and stuff but like as long as I'm sort of as fit as I can be I said it earlier on like the fitter I am the better I am it's it's pretty simple like um, so for me it would just be about being relentless in everything you do and, and um, just being fully committed um, not letting the distractions like get in the way and, and just staying positive, really. Um, actually, that's probably another one, if I could say, two. like just having a positive mentality, like th- the difference between you when you're positive and when you're negative is just massive. So I think the, if I was to choose two, obviously I'm only allowed to choose one, but I'll stay two. Is
0: a, <laughs> I'll take two, mate. I'll
1: take two <laughs> bits to, of advice. That's fine. <laughs> it's, to, it's to just be relentless in your work and, and just have a, a positive mindset um, all the time, even when... Things are going bad, which is obviously tough to do, but the more positive you can be, the, yeah. the it's just better, really.
0: Yeah, spot on, mate. Great way to wrap it up. But thank you very much for coming on. Obviously, like I said, very down to earth, lad. You're a massive, like, you're a great role model for any young footballer, young athlete, anybody kind of looking at your journey and what you've ups and downs in your mindset through it. It's been really interesting, mate. I've enjoyed it. And thanks for staying on for so long. It's been, it's been a long one, but I appreciate it. I
1: appreciate Cheers, mate. it. On. I appreciate you having us on. Yeah. Uh, I've I've been listening to them and stuff, and uh, like I said, even things like this, like you listen to and take little bits of advice, which you don't even realize you're giving out, but I still like yeah. take on board. So no, nah, appreciate it. Thanks for having us. No
0: words of wisdom from Sean Longstaff. <laughs> Not
1: quite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cheers, mate. So thank you very much if you listen to this full episode. Of Thanks again, Sean, for coming on. Giving a little bit of an insight into that almost Premier League mindset and how he built his confidence and got over the the little barriers that came through his through his path as a professional footballer. So again, like I said at the start of the podcast, if you did enjoy this episode of Process, remember to share it on your Instagram story. Tag myself, Sean, and also any of other social media, share it. As well as that, if you really enjoyed this episode or any previous episodes of Process, remember to leave a little five-star review and maybe a little comment review of what you thought about the podcast, any messages you want to send to myself, so my Instagram is Brendan Pearson Fitness. drop me a message about the podcast, any future guests you want to see, or maybe comment on a previous podcast, Or if there's anything you want to ask me, fire away. And one last thing is always, if you could copy and paste the link send it to one friend, WhatsApp, iMessage, whatever you need to do, just send it to one friend, even just tell somebody at the pub if you need to. Spreading the word would mean a lot to me, so thank you very much again for listening. This has been Process.